Hello and welcome to Mini PC episode 101. They said it couldn't be done. I said that last week. Anyhow, uh, we are sponsored today by Patreon supporter Jordan Brown, who joined November 2017. Jordan, thank you for your support. We appreciate it greatly. Absolutely. Uh, and thanks to uh, people like Jordan, we don't have to have uh, interrupt the show every 15 minutes with ads. Long story short, patreon.com slash the mini PC show. Check the notes if you want a direct link to it. If you want to support us, and I am a firm believer in support those who support you. Uh, so if you need any help, any assistance, any guidance, or you just want to communicate with somebody, do not hesitate to uh, shoot us an email. Um, our email is minipc at podcast.com. Again, link will be in the notes. How are you doing, Rich? Really good. You know, it, it's kind of fun. It slows down at work this time of year. People are kind of nice and chatty, and we're having a good time, as opposed to all that hard effort we got to put in on a regular basis. Yes, it is a nice slow time. And I'm going to uh, tangentially say, and also do not forget, if you want to witness this show live, there's multiple ways you can do it. Uh, you can join us on the Discord server. You can join us on the Mattermost server. You can follow us on Twitter.com. Uh, or you can just l literally uh, go to YouTube and follow us there. Click the subscribe and thumbs up button, which makes me sick to my stomach just saying it out loud. Uh, but I will say, Rich, thank you for the like because I know you did it. Um, <laughs> so it, if you want to participate live, uh, there are ways to do it. All you got to do is go to the notes and there are links to do it there. Um, I will say this, Rich. I love, I absolutely love, love, love this time of year at work because like you said, everybody is away. And I can get so much work done. Uh, I personally deprecated over 48 Windows 2008 servers in the last couple weeks, and it's a really good feeling. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we're, we're trying to expunge ourselves from all of those Windows machines. That, that's a terror on everybody, a blight on society. Yeah, and like me being a mini PC weenie, if you will, I had a guy today come into an office I was sitting in helping a guy with a task, and he said, you know, I want to put this TV out in the hallway, and I want it to just show bids coming into our pro um, pro um, procurement department, and you know, I, I'm really tempted to get one of those little computers over there and just put Linux on it, and I <laughs> had to stop myself from being that Mr. Know-it-all guy and say something, but I'm just like sitting back and just waiting and I'm hoping somebody will say to him, you know, if you want to do this right, maybe you should talk to, you know, that nerd over there. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's kind of tough. Uh, I think sometimes maybe I should just STF you more than, you know, tell everybody everything I know. Well, I mean, um, I'll just say it like this, Rich, um, not speaking to basically anyone unless I absolutely had to for 30 years of my life. I understand the value of, shutting up and listening um with that s stated um it is very good to once in a while just make very very short observations and say something and then just shut up again but once i open my mouth it's really hard to not keep talking so uh hopefully in the next week or two i'll hear from this guy and we can get this system set up right cool. Cool. um we do have at least one email i'll say that um we have i'll say this one uh, email that I think is going to spur a lot of conversation. Do you want to uh, read it? For sure. Now, I would never be a drummer because I'm not multi-rhythmic or whatever. So actually, Gregory Smith on the 12th of this month, that's December, uh, sent us an email that says, Hey guys, I'm looking for some recommendations on single board computers. I have a Plex server and have most of my media on a NAS. The Plex server is starting to get old 
and the NAS is starting to fill up. I have a bunch of Raspberry Pi computers around the house doing various stuff. I don't create solutions from scratch, so I learn, so I lean, oh, lean on the Raspberry Pi. Anything that has been done on single board computer has been done on a Raspberry Pi, and there's a page on how to do it. I question if the Raspberry Pi is up to working as a Plex server. Would something else be better? I have at most four streams going at any time. How about a NAS solution? I know there were network limits on the Raspberry Pi in the past, but my understanding is that the Raspberry Pi 4 has a separate NIC and gets much better speeds on the network. Which NAS would you go with for the NAS? Open Media Vault, Free NAS, something else. Greg. And I did start writing it back and rereading this. I have like one or two questions. Like, what is his current Plex server and how much storage space does he have on his NAS? Um, I believe his current solution is a dedicated box, almost like a um, uh, QNAP type uh, box oh, okay. is what I'll say. Um, no, no, it was a Buffalo NAS, sorry, where he needed special software that only runs on Windows or uh, Mac in order to rebuild if a drive goes bad. Yeah, so I am very against proprietary stuff and being, I don't want to say I was bit or hurt or whatever by crash plan, but I was very much in love with crash plan for a very long time. And that's why my, um, and I haven't fully outfitted it yet. Um, boy, what, what is the solution I was thinking of? Um, cause it's multi-platforming and journaling. Uh, damn, I can't think of the name. I don't know. Uh, but I will say Crash Plan was the thing I couldn't think of the other day. Yes, Crash Plan offered a fantastic solution uh, in order for you to have re, um, redundant systems spread across gra you know, great distances. But they completely went the corporate route and messed everything up. Um, I am uncommonly – I let me rephrase that. I believe – I'm uncommonly biasly gray-bearded in the sense of I don't trust any solution offered by any vendor that offers you a box that you just throw drives in because uh, whether it's Syn um, Synology or anybody else because they're unbelievably exploitable and I just don't trust anybody offering a solution. Even if you pay them a monthly service, they seem to, to not be able to spell the word security. Yeah, yeah, and so I guess there there's two two ways of thinking of things. One is if you roll your own, you're you are the warranty basically, and uh, you know that that means there's upgrades and whatever, and some things may not work a hundred percent. And I I know I've um, I I actually have two current Plex servers, and uh, I have one running right now here in Orlando, and it's an Odroid HC1. And uh, in Jupiter, uh, my my main residence, the Hughes Compound Southern Command, I have an Odroid XU4, and I have two USB 3 drives plugged into it. And I'm not sure if... Yeah, I think I only have two. But the two I have plugged in right now have a port, and you can daisy-chain them. So that's kind of cool. That, that might hurt your throughput, um, you know, because it's got to be going down one wire. 
Uh, I don't know how bad it's going to hurt it. And the so the backup software I was thinking of is Duplicati, which is cross-platform and versioning, which I haven't actually set up yet. Uh, that, that should be on my goal list for 2020. Gotcha. So, okay, uh, let's circle back to, uh, I kind of, I, I sent uh, Gregory an email, and, you know, this is one of these things I, I said I could actually spend a whole show talking about, and uh, or a good chunk of a show. And I've actually been testing what I'm about to tell you, and I, I wrote to him, I said, in the theoretical untested cray-cray, is uh, I have this actually set up at home, and I've done some smoke testing on it. I have a Pine uh, 64 Pro, or is it the Rock Pro? Rock Pro, that's it. Uh, with a PCIe card, a USB PCIe card, and a whole bunch of uh, USB 3 drives plugged into it. And I'm running Open Media Vault with LVM, which is Logical Volume Manager, which basically gives you virtual drives. And you can split them up any way you want. Basically, um, it's abstracting the physical layer. So you can say, I want to drive, and then the software figures out where it's going to live. So you, you don't tell it, I'm going to take 10 gigs from this drive or 5 gigs from each drive. LVM figures that out. you got nothing to do with it. And if you start running out of space, this is the cooler thing. You just plug another drive in. And then you can add space because you're crossing the boundaries of the physical drive size. Like if you have uh, 10 one terabyte drives, you could use almost the full 10 terabytes as one drive with LVM. So that, that's kind of the cool thing. Uh, and I did experiment with that. So here's what I said is uh, you could get a Pine Rock Pro 64. You can drop a daughter board in there. And now that daughter board could be SATA or it could be USB 3. And then plug a whole bunch of, you know, commodity drives like, you know, the Costco drives and stuff like that, like I've been buying. And you do the LVM. Now, here's where, where I would do it. Actually, you would only need one interface on the Rock Pro 64 because all it's going to be doing is storage traffic. And then your Plex server, which I would recommend going with... Uh, oh, all right. So I do have experience with Open Media Vault. I don't know if I said that. So Open Media Vault on the Rock Pro 64, I have experience with. I did do a quick Google search, and I did not see FreeNAS is available on the ARM platform. So it may not be available. Uh, but with Open Media Vault, LVM is a plugin you can get. It's pretty much a couple of clicks, and it's in. Uh, for the Plex server, I would run uh, DietPy because DietPy strips out all of the crap in the OS you don't need. And then you can load uh, radar, sonar, transmission, and whatever you need to run on that machine. The hardware, we, we can have a lot of conversations about. My setup that I'm you know smoke testing, that I started recording video on and doing tests and forgot about, is running the Odroid N2, which I really like that platform. One, because you got four USB 3.0, you got gig Ethernet. Um, so on that device, let's just say theoretically you're using an Odroid N2, I would put a USB gigabit Ethernet adapter into that, you know, USB 3.0 gigabit Ethernet. So I would have a storage network that only talks to um, the OVM with the LVM drives, 
and that's the only traffic that would go on that network. And then the other Ethernet port would be what would go to the LAN, you know, the, in the house. So the wireless network, whatever it may be, where you would stream out. That's, you know, kind of the theoretical, you know, high end of what I would do. Now, uh, I, I'll, I'll try and do this. I'll try and throw, I, I got two Raspberry Pi 4s with 4 gigs of RAM. I'll see about setting them up with, uh, you know, Plex and see how they run and, you know, give you a report back on that and try it out. So this way you don't have to spend your money if, if you don't have to. Um, I don't know. What, what else? What are your thoughts, Dor? Well, I'll say first he says, I'll say this. Anytime anyone asks me a question and I'm actually knowledgeable about the subject, I can't give an answer back. I always got to ask anywhere from five to 500 questions back at them. And like the question he asks is, can it be a Plex server? Let's just take that one thing and let's say we're going to quote Doctor Who meme and that is is for a lot well it depends on the context dollars no daisy meme lives on reddit yes so when you say can it be a plex server of course it can but it depends on the context are you the only person who's going to be watching this stream is it only going to be two people could it be four people could it be six people could it be 10 people could it be 20 people you know kind of thing if it's only two people doing 1080p streams, I firmly believe a Raspberry Pi 4 can be a Plex server just fine and be a NAS just fine. If you expect to have like four people doing 4K video on a Plex server and it being a NAS, I don't think there's any way any Raspberry Pi will be able to meet your needs, I think. So do you, and thanks for mentioning, uh, so there, there's two things that you got to worry about. So four streams, yes. I, you know, that's a dumb answer is yes. Uh, the more intelligent answer is four streams at what quality, you know, 4K, 2K, 1K. And then what encoding? Because you, uh, one of the things Plex will do is you can uh, have it encode for the target device. So you could, uh, you can right mouse click on, on uh, the files and say, hey, pre-encode it for these things. So when it's idle and not streaming, it will basically build a file that's designed to run on fill-in-the-blank, whether it's your tablet or your 70-inch TV, whatever it may be. Yeah, and that's one thing I will say about Plex. Plex in 2019, late 2019, is almost the Microsoft Word of Media tools, where I don't think a huge percentage of the people use any percentage of the functionality in it. Uh, because it is that powerful and that diverse. But I will say this, December 2019, I firmly believe, I hate saying like this, the days that Plex will be around, you can probably count down now. Uh, when you see a company starting to advertise on what I consider to be bougie networks, uh, rest assured, it's going to start to draw the attention of the wrong people. And then the wrong people are going to start to insist, Plex, you are breaking copyright laws. I want to know everybody on your network who are sharing X, Y, and Z. And when that happens, Plex will then be dead to me. Until then, I'm going to abuse it. Don't get me wrong. But for right now, I say don't rely on Plex being around to normal people by the end of 2020. So, you know, and I guess two questions. One, do you think he was asking about 
running everything on a Raspberry Pi, both NAS and Plex? Was that, yep. that how the... Okay, all right. I believe so, but he also did say he had multiple devices. Okay. So I could right. see running, here's the logic, running the Plex server on a device, running the NAS on another device, and the library to the Plex server maybe on that second device. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's what they're thinking, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that's what I was thinking. I've, I've actually tested that, where uh, the Plex server has no storage, or, you know, basically boot, and that's it. Um, I So my Odroid XU4, I have two hard drives plugged into it. It is also running, you know, sonar radar, transmission, Plex, uh, it's a time capsule, and an SSH server. So... Uh, I mean SSH, I mean uh, NFS server. So, yeah, I'm doing all of those things. How good is it? Pretty damn good. Um, what's better than an Odroid XU4? I'd have to look it up. You know, I don't have the numbers in front of me. Yeah. You, the question is, is uh, Odroid XU4, I believe, is 2 gigs of RAM? And, you know, I if a mini PC, and I use that term in the generalist of sense, is available in four gigs of RAM or whatever the highest amount du jour is, I will buy the highest amount because this way I'm kind of future-proofing a bit. Um, and, and one of the things I want to do is to be able to run like Docker containers on it. I'd lo love to be able to run virtual machines, but a Docker container is a little bit more efficient. So that, that's one of the things I'm thinking about. Uh, when I buy, you know... Whether it was, uh, what is it, the, the Rock 64, there was a 4-gig version of that. I got two of those. Um, so right now I'm at the point where I have more single-board computers than I'm actually running stuff on, which I, I know a few years back it was the opposite. I was like, oh, I wish I had another one. Now I'm like, I wish I had the time to do all the stuff I planned on. Yeah, I will say the XU4 does have 2 gigs of RAM. You were right. Um, the XU4 to me is the most underappreciated single board computer period that's ever existed I, I i truly believe that um here's the gimmick the raspberry pi popularity documentation odroid unbelievable power and specs but typically no wireless connectivity built into any board that's the gimmick you know with, what i'm okay with that oh i am too um and then you have the pine boards which try to fit the other niche where they try to be like somewhere between Odroid and Pine, which I know is not fair to them to say. They just try to fit a different need set is what I'll say. Um, the Odroid XU4 to me, and here's the gimmick, here's the other reason why I think it is among the best bang for the buck computers. Um, the processor, the bus, the GPU are some of the most well-coded and understood uh, processors in the single board computing world. Um, I.e., you get some of the most stability and some of the most performance versus anything else that exists. Um, as far as it goes to NASs, here's what I will, will say. Um, redundancy is the biggest thing. And when I say redundancy, what I really mean is it's perfectly fine for you to have a Buffalo NAS or a Synology NAS or anything else. Do you really want to be the administrator and back that thing up every single week to some kind of hard storage media, whether it be DVD, CDs, or other kind of external hard drives? And I beg anybody out there to say the answer to that is no, I don't want to do that. That's a pain. Um, what I really 
beg people to do is one of two things. One, simply mirror your own homegrown custom NAS solution to Amazon EC2 or to Dropbox or to Google Cloud or to Amazon um, or uh, um, Microsoft OneDrive or anybody else because remote storage media is now so cheap, it's insane. I truly believe, and I'll say this, I don't say this often, I truly believe in my heart of hearts, our kids and our kids' kids will never understand the term running out of disk space. Storage is becoming so unbelievably cheap. Um, But here's the other thing. We, as users, as administrators, as power users, as people who understand how computers work, we don't have to rely on big box solutions like Dropbox or OneDrive or Spider Oak or anybody else. Technically, we can do what's called federate. We can federate our cloud storage amongst ourselves, almost like the uh, solution that you used to uh, trust did, Rich. Yep, crash plan. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Crash plan used to offer the ability for me and Rich to have an account and for me to say through my software, I trust Rich and Rich to say, I trust Door. And then I would allocate a certain amount of my drive to him. He would give some of his drive to me. I would never be able to see his data. It would be perfectly encrypted and vice versa. And we could have remote offsite storage. So with that stated, I will say this. It's really difficult for me to beat the power and simplicity of Nextcloud in order to say, install it on a Raspberry Pi, install it on a Rock 64, install it on a Rock Pro 64, install it on Odroid NH2, install it on Odroid N2, install it on Odroid XU4 or whatever, make it public facing which of course involves some nerdy talk called port forwarding, which trust me, you can do. And if you can't do, contact me, mini PC show at pot.com and I'll, and I will help you. And then find somebody you can federate your cloud with. So then hypothetically, Maryland could be drowned by an earthquake and severe weather and hurricanes and tornadoes and whatever. But Rich could be perfectly fine in Jupiter, Florida, and he could be my offsite um um disk space kind of thing if we can federate with other people it makes redundancy a real tangible thing and it's not rocket science to do i will say that the um like the um barriers have been dropping ridiculously on these kinds of complex issues i truly believe 2020 will be the year solutions like nextcloud make it insanely easy for anybody to ask any other family member to be their remote off-site storage backup, but they'll call it something else like, you know, be my buddy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, I just did a little bit of math, which is adding things to the cart and comparing there's four boards that uh, I own right now, not all four gig, but uh, so the Rock Pro 64 with four gigs of RAM uh, without a power supply, I, I haven't included the power supply, so your price out the door is going to be a little bit more because you're going to have to have a boot device and power. Uh, the Rock Pro 64 is $79.95 on Ameridroid. The Odroid N2 is $71.95. The Rock 64 is $49.95. And at Micro Center, if you can walk into one, a 4 gig Pi 4 is $49.99. So of the four devices, 
I I hate to say it, I'm I have no love anymore for the Rock 64. Even though it's four gigs, uh, it might be a good host for uh, Docker containers, but at the same price. Uh, all right. So what makes the Rock 64 better than the Raspberry Pi four with four gigs is it can have eMMC on the Rock 64. But after that. The Raspberry Pi has uh, two HDMI ports. It's I know, but got... it has the stupid HDMI ports. Yeah, yeah. So pretty much you're, you're paying the same price for uh, either a Pi 4 with 4 gigs or a Rock 64 with 4 gigs. Now, the next two higher-end devices, uh, the Rock Pro 64 with 4 gigs versus the Odroid N2 with 4 gigs. Um... Both of them are the the way I would see it slicing up. So the Rock Pro is you know eight bucks more. So we're we're not talking a big dollar amount. Um, I'm not sure what kind of case they have for it. For I think there's packages on Ameridroid where you can get the pace, case and the power supply for the Odroid N2 for yep. like a real bargain price. Uh, and I'll have to I'll look for that in a moment. But here's where I would split it up. If you want a PCIe card on something, the Rock Pro 64 is your man. If you don't care about a PCIe card, uh, I would go with the Odroid N2 then. They're both uh, the Rock uh, 3399 chip, and they both have 4 gigs. Um, let's see. I, I think the Rock Pro 64 has USB-C on it, and I don't know if that's real important to you, but... On the Odroid N2, you got four USB 3.0 ports, which which is kind of a big deal. Yeah, it's four ports, but I believe it's only two buses, so you only get full speed if you use two of the USB ports. With three, you'll still do good speed. Um, here's my question though: when it comes to Plex servers, streaming media, and when it comes to NAS servers, delivering just you know files in bulk or whatever, is RAM the okay? We have. We have a couple things here we're going to nerd out. We have RAM, we have processor, we have the NIC, and then we have the bus. And the bus is basically just a communication between all of it. Something's going to be the bottleneck. Which one do you think is the most important for Plex and for NAS, and are they different? All right, so... I all right, the the ARM architecture, you know, pretty much everybody's been designing or writing their software or the software that gets ported is really designed to be working with the, you know, 1 gig, 2 gigs of RAM. Uh, USB 3.0 in SATA. Uh, now, what version of SATA? I don't know, SATA 2 or SATA 3. I'd have to look at the speeds. But you're pretty much sucking in the data as quick. There, there's really not a bottleneck there if you're USB 3 or SATA. Um, I really think the gigabit Ethernet is the biggest deal. I agree. That's, that, that's the big deal in my mind. I agree. And most boards of today will give you full gigabit NIC. The Raspberry Pi 4, every Odroid, every Pine board, every Rock board will give you a true gig NIC speed. Now, with that said, you'll never get gig NIC speeds. That's always a theoretical. You'll always get at least like 700 to 800 megabytes a second. So with that stated... Um, anything else, as long as it's as fast as that, you'll be completely fine. So when it comes to like a Plex server, there is processing that comes into play. But I will say, I don't think they've uh, offloaded it to the GPU as of just yet. 
So it's the basic cores that are on the system that I will probably say are the most important if you're going to stream more than four 1080p streams or more than two 4K streams. I don't know of an ARM processor unless you start to get into like the um, Jets and Nano type arena that can really meet your needs. So if you're streaming that kind of content, high, high content, and you want a NAS, I would heavily encourage two separate devices. Okay, and all good points there. The So if you're on a Maradroid, I just threw this in the cart. You can get the Odroid N2 Core ELEC Edition, and that's the case and the power cord, and I think you get a boot uh, S micro SD for $76.95. So that's pretty much five bucks more uh, yeah, five bucks more than the seventy-one ninety-five. You're getting a micro SD, which you know, what, what's it booting? Core Elec Next Generation Media Center, right? Okay. Uh, the case, which I think they charge only like two bucks or so. It's not a real crazy. It's it's nice. I like it. I have one quip about it. Not that you're going to be inserting and removing the micro SD card, but you got to have like baby fingers to get. The micro because yeah. they it's a recess and it's only as wide as the micro SD card. Uh, but that would be uh, seventy six ninety five. I think that's a, a fantastic deal. Well, and I'll just throw this in because I have to. Um, because I have to. Okay, my true belief is you could have this device uh, hosting your Plex. 1080p streams, maybe up to six people at the same time. You could have this hosting multiple terabytes of data to anybody, literally over the public-facing internet, people in Ireland, people in Australia, people in Serbia, people in Mexico, people in Canada, you know, doing normal kind of file sharing. And you still have enough leftover processing power. You could be emulating Street Fighter II Turbo Edition with an Xbox Bluetooth controller on your big screen TV hardwired into your network and experience no real slowdown or letdown. Um, this device, I do believe, is one of the most under-respected mini computers that have came out in the last year or two. I think the price is just a skosh more than I would expect to pay, but I will say this. With the right case, which Odroid sells for next to nothing, it actually can turn into almost a decent media type center computer. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, now the processor. I'm just looking at this. You know, I'm sure we reviewed this many years ago, or not many years ago, but many shows ago. AM Logic S922X, and I would absolutely have to look that up to know what the heck it's doing. You know, in comparison to anything else, like, because everything we've been talking about this year or last year and a half has been like the uh, $3,399. Yeah, I will say this is a plus one-year-old processor, but here's the gimmick. It's really highly optimized for what it can do. Um, It's not going to do, like, crazy 4K video. It's not going to do crazy encryption-type speeds. It will do really unbelievably with, I'll say this, like 720p, you cannot throw frames at it fast enough. It would handle it beautifully. 1080p, you could probably still do like literally uh, 60 frames a second, and this thing would probably still run just fine. Um, This to me is, I'll say this, for 70 bucks with four gigs of RAM, 
you just throw a couple bucks on, you have the case, you have maybe what would normally cost you a hundred to $110 like home theater type computer type com, um, box. Um, that's how strongly I feel about this, this device. And I do think it's underappreciated. I will say that again. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's, you know, underappreciated. So, all right, the it's a hexacore processor, so you get four Cortex A73s at 1.8 gigahertz. You get two A53s at 1.9 gigahertz, and it's a Mali G52 GPU uh, with 6x. So I guess it's a six core at 846 megahertz. So I'm not sure how that stacks up against other devices. You know, the GPU on this, but Definitely appreciate it. I I have smoke tested it. I did record some video on it, and it's been a while. Yeah, and I will say the Odroid XU4 is one of those. If you really can't afford a lot, the versatility you get with an Odroid XU4 versus a Raspberry Pi 4 is measurable, is what I'll say. If you just want simplicity, you just want to burn an SD card, and you just want to shove it in a little mini computer and just have it work, quote unquote, you'll be much more happy with a Raspberry Pi 4 versus an Odroid XU4. But if you really want to be able to maximize your efficiency and performance, the Odroid XU4 is great. But I had to rewind a second. No matter what computer you're looking at in single board computers, I don't care if it's an orange Pi, I don't care if it's a Nano Pi, I don't care if it's an Odroid, I don't care if it's a Pine, I don't care if it's a Rock, I don't care if it's a Rock Pi, I don't care if it's a Raspberry Pi. If you expect to be able to just make an SD card, put it in the device, hit the button, and have everything work perfectly, it's not going to happen. Um, I've been doing this now for six years with these mini computers. I almost always have to burn cards multiple times. I almost always have to tweak something in order to get things to launch correctly, in order to run correctly, in order to boot correctly. Um, so expect there to be at least a little bit of pain and suffering in your path and your travels. But I promise you, when you get on the other side of the pain and suffering, it will be well worth it and it will run really good. So I'm trying to look at the benchmarks and compare them. Like they show the N2 against the Pi 3. And it's it's not like double or quadruple. So uh, Unix Bench Drystone 2, they're showing the Raspberry Pi 3 just under a thousand. And I don't know what the units are. And the N2 is 7,000. And so double precision Whetstone. Is, the Raspberry Pi is a little over a thousand, and the N2 is seven thousand. Sysbench uh, events per ten seconds. The Raspberry Pi is probably on the scale, you know, because it's incremented in thousands. Raspberry Pi is probably a hundred, and the N2 is over eight thousand. Uh, MBW, the Raspberry Pi is probably five hundred and the N2 is 5,000. So we're, we're talking some serious herd on the Pi 3. And if, if I'm recalling correctly, these types of benchmarks, Pi 3 versus Pi 4, the Pi 4 might be double or in some cases quadruple the amount of the Pi 3. I, what numbers have you seen, Dor? Well, I can tell you my personal experience, and that to me was, is most important, is is easily twice as powerful as the Pi 3. You know, here's the gimmick. That doesn't mean the Pi 3 is not usable. 
What I love about mini computers is now, if you do upgrade to the Pi 4, you have a perfectly capable secondary computer in order to do offline tasks. So if you want a Pi 4, get a Pi 4, connect a USB drive to it, have it as your local storage. Uh, you can even install Plex on a Pi 4 and have it as your local media server for at least one or two people. And then use your Pi 3 for something else, whether it be a Octoprint server for your res- for your 3D printer, uh, whether it be a motion sensor for your garage door opener, whether it be your um, um, airplane sensor using, what's it called? Oh, PiAware. PiAware, as you can know all the planes that are going overhead, whether it be your moisture sensor around your hot water heater or whatever, you have a perfectly capable backup computer doing other things. Um, when it comes to a NAS, though, I will encourage this is only one thing. Quickly decide how much of a, a, a administrator you want to be. And if you're perfectly okay being the administrator, then work on remote, off-site, immediate like duplication to a, another device. Uh, I will say I will happily donate my bandwidth to an end user. Um, because I'm a firm believer in keeping things on isolated networks. I have no problem with having an isolated network on my network where there's only one device on it, and that is somebody else's uh, replicated off-site storage. I'm still trying to find metrics I can compare one to the other. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, And I will say this. We do have another, at least one other email from Carl is what I'm going to say. And what I'm going to do, Rich, is I'm going to talk really slowly. I'm going to post it over here. I'm going to talk even slower. I'm going to come and I'm going to post it over here. And then I'm going to go a little bit slower. And I'm going to go over here. And I'm going to hit this. And then I am going to read this if you do not want to. Any way you want it. Okay, I can give it a shot. Uh, Door, I've been using various versions of the Raspberry Pi for the years, uh, different kinds of projects, but I've never used any other brand of single board computer. I'm planning on giving my Raspberry Pi 3B Plus to my brother as a server side for a multi-room audio solution based around Logitech Media Server with SqueezeLite clients running on the server, a couple of Pi Zero Ws, it's B Plus have so i'd like to replace with something i've been browsing a maradroid site that you mentioned but as i've said the only raspberry pies and i'm not up to other manufacturers offerings i don't care so much about video performance side tangent that is very important thank you for adding that in your email uh back to the email i most likely be using a headless server i like to use it to build arm Arch 64 and ARM HF question mark question mark software from source as I found using QEMU emulation on X8664 to be incredibly slow. I already have 10 year old Atom based server that I use for file storage, so I guess I'm not concerned about being able to connect the drives to the SBC, but would consider replacing the Atom as long as I could still support two drives in RAID 1. I'll also prefer the SBC to be passively cooled. I'll go with an RPI 4, but my relative uniform impression of them has been that they run hot and they had USB sour, uh, USB C power on port. And it wasn't to spec or something. And up till now, I've had used the R, the Raspberry Pi 3B+. So I didn't feel the need to buy one. 
Now I'm in the market for a replacement, and I'm wondering what would you recommend? Thanks, Carl. Deep breath. Wow. So, okay. you one, good you read that because you didn't paste or the buffer didn't have everything that you pasted up there. Um, hmm. You know, one of the things I didn't say before, uh, dealing with heat noise and electric consumption, one of the reasons that drove me to this is, uh, like, one, I, I was running on a former uh, Vista machine that I inherited. And I just didn't like the amount of noise and the amount of heat and the amount of electricity it was consuming. And that's why I went to going with a single board computer. Because I found that something like the Odroid XU4, at a fraction of all of those metrics, heat, noise, and power, did as good as or better job than a several-year-old Vista machine. You know, so uh, you may be able to retire Atom also, which which would be a good thing. So heat uh, for me is a, a big deal because I have all of my single board computers in my office, which has an issue. Uh, with staying cool because of all the devices I have in it. Uh, being in Florida, we're running under air conditioning almost all the time. The passive, so I, I would tell you, you probably could get away with passive on the Pi 4 if you don't overclock it. And I would drop a heatsink on the CPU, the memory, uh, the... Uh, USB, let's see, is there a fourth one? I, actually, I had the image up just a few moments ago because uh, it showed what chips got hot. Yeah, there's there's definitely four chips you want to heat sink. Uh, so I guess the Ethernet, the USB, the memory, and the CPU. I'm just looking at a thermal image of that. So if you don't overclock the, the Pi 4, you could get away with heat sinks. And, and again, if this is a place that's air-conditioned and you're you're not cooking up over 75 80 degrees now something that i haven't had a heat issue period with would be the odroid n2 and i've been showing a lot of love for that I mean, we got to call the ameridroid guys and see if we get like a uh um why, why can't i think of the term a code that we get a referral if they're into that i don't know if they're making enough money i'll say that yeah um, i mean that's another factor sure um, I'll just say, uh, you know, you, you want to like hit like when it comes to, like the tent pole analogy, you want to hit the highest tent pole first, in my opinion. He's saying uh, he wants to use a headless server to build ARM Arch 64 and ARM HF software from source. That will be the insanely most intensive process he wants to run. Um, and yes, there's two basic. No, actually, there's more. I'm not going to lie. If you go look at the Debian page, there's actually like six different types of ARM processors you can focus toward. The two big ones are the Arch AARCH64 and the ARMHF. Typically, when I'm running my ARM computers down here, my single board computers, it is ARMHF, whatever the hell that means. I don't know. And to build software custom towards it is insanely processor intensive, pause, storage intensive, pause, RAM intensive. Okay. You're going to need a lot of everything if you're going to build the source, even if you're okay with clicking build and walking away for 48 hours, it's still going to be resource intensive. So with that stated, I would really highly encourage, 
Oh, let me, I mean, I, I literally got to stop and think here for a couple of seconds. I honestly, I want to say, uh, if you really want to build software, the Jetson Nano might be the best one to shoot for right now. I don't know anybody doing benchmarks on building software from source, but I'm willing to bet the Jetson boards will perform the best. They cost the most. Um, after that, um, I'm trying to think the next board I would think would probably be the best, and it would probably be an RK3399. I don't know which one. Um, I would definitely encourage active cooling, like a big heat sink on it and a big fan on it, period. Um, that is really intensive stuff. You want to then have, you know, good storage connected to it with good fast storage. Um, everything else would be honestly easy to handle um the and, and yes the raspberry pi usb-c power is non-spec i don't understand what they're doing it's literally like they're smoking crack cocaine between development processes so they can have a b plus i guess i don't know but normal usb power is typically quote-unquote good enough is what i'll say um the other thing was um he was asking about uh, uh the media server side on it and stuff like that it's almost secondary to what you want to do. Um, you could host almost any solution, whether it be Streama, Open Media Vault, just a simple, um, um, uh, uh, trying to remember the acronym for the media streaming service or a Plex. Almost anything will work after you defeat that hurdle, that high tent pole of you want to build software from source. So I'm just looking at the Jetson Nano on Amazon. There are two places on Amazon. Uh, I see it for $99, and I guess it comes only with 4 gigs of RAM. Uh, let's see. I, I'm not sure if it comes with the wall wart. Yeah, I'm guessing it doesn't come with the wall wart. So that's like 9 bucks, uh, 5 volt 4 amp power supply. And I'm trying to look at what the cores are on it. Because they talk about the jetpack, but they don't talk. Yeah. I don't see arm blah. Well, I'll say this: it's difficult to compare the Jetson Nano versus any other ARM processor because it's uh, very GPU-intensive kind of thing. Okay, it's an ARM Cortex A57, and it's an octa-core. All, as far as I'm reading, of the uh, Cortex A57. You know, the more, the, thanks for bringing the Jetson up, because I'm looking at, that's, I guess the only thing I don't own is a Jetson, uh, but that that could help me out with a couple of projects. Well, I mean, to like paraphrase your other podcast and much less successful podcast, uh, the Linux Link Tech Show, yes, that's a jab. Um, Joel has no idea how to compile software. To compile software is by far the most resource-intensive thing you can do imaginable. It does not compare to AI, machine intelligence, uh, TPU kind of thing. It doesn't compare to video encoding. It doesn't compare to encryption of you know mass stuff. None of that even comes remotely close to just compiling software. It will drag any processor down. It will eat up all resources, and it will make everything else slow in a computer. So if your main goal is to really compile your own software and to do it in more of a painless fashion, um, Carl, Carl, if you want to do it in a very painless fashion, I really do encourage you to take the money invested in the Jetson Nano Put it on your network on the side and use it for nothing but compiling software. 
Yes, for the first couple of months, you're going to think, did I really spend $99 on that? But then if you try to compile software for ARM on anything else, you will see how slow it is, how ungodly slow it is in comparison. And then use any other ARM board for anything else, whether it's a Rock 64, whether it's a Raspberry Pi, whether it's an Odroid N2 or Odroid X34 for fun type projects. And I'll say this, I have no problem saying this out loud, unlike every other podcast that's ever existed. Carl, if you buy the Jet to Nano and it does not meet your expectations, let me know. I'll send you the money. You send me the board and I'll find a use case for it. Um, I don't want anybody here taking any advice from me and not being completely satisfied with anything I say. Okie doke. On the Meridroid side, it has the specs. So, all right, we know four gigs of memory. We know, uh, all right, so here it says quad-core ARM A57. So I... On Amazon, it said uh, octa-core, which I don't buy. Now it talks about uh, 12 camera lanes, three by four, four by two, MIPI. Oh, okay. I guess you can plug cameras directly into it because that's what the MIPI is. Uh, gig Ethernet. All right. So it has HDMI, uh, and it says or DP 1.2, and so I'm not sure. Okay. So it says. DSI is too simultaneous. I'm not sure what that means. So I don't know that you can do HDMI and DisplayPort. It says HDMI or DPI. But uh, it has 128 NVIDIA CUDA cores. So if if you're doing you know AI and processing, the, this is definitely the beast you want. I have no idea on, and I never say this kind of term, I have no idea on God's green earth what the hell you just said. I just know it's a powerful computer. Yeah, because uh, I would want it, and one of the wants I've had is to plumb all of my security feeds, my eight cameras, now nine, uh, into something and do facial recognition. So I can know, hey, that's a person, and hey, that's a family member, those kinds of things. Um I just picked up, what's the, the super cheap little cameras that you get for like 25 bucks? Wise, the Wise Cam, that's it. And I threw it in my garage because I didn't have a camera in my garage. And for, you know, it, it's kind of like my $20 action cam here, my not GoPro substitute. 20 bucks, it's a reasonable purchase. Uh, did it do all of the crazy things I thought it would do? No. Um, I. I wanted it to alert me on, you know, it recognizes a person in the garage, and it's not so good at that either. But it's decent enough for what it is. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, I did uh, just forward you another email, and I will say I'm not sure what's going on with the email, but Rich and uh, Brian both said that they did not get all the emails from everyone. Um, I don't know if you want to read this one or not, Rich. Sure, I'm just bringing it up. Oh, we got attachments and everything. Alrighty, so this is from, oh, Christian Setla, and uh, I, I know his icon as Chris. Uh, hey guys, it's that time of year when things get a bit hectic and you guys like me come out from under the rocks to bug you. Okay. <laughs> Dora suffered my slings and arrows before Richard, er, my dad's name was Richard. <laughs> we called him Dick. <laughs> I'll refrain from doing that today. Okay. <laughs> I had the weirdest thing happen to me a short while ago. I'm using OMV on the Odroid HC2 
And I thought to myself, what I thought to myself that it could also run Pi-hole as neither is very taxing on the hardware. Dummy me, I figured I'd just SSH into OMV and install, do some CLI stuff and install Pi-hole via script. I forgot that would make it weird seeing that I already had OMV on the desktop on the same address. Pi-hole installed just fine and predictably. I could not bring up the OMV desktop anymore. Oops. Feeling stupid, I just yanked the micro SD card and went back to before the attempt. When I tried, when I think, wait, wait, when I think tried to access OMV desktop, I still couldn't connect. Eventually I figured out that OMV somehow told the router that it wanted a different address. Oh, it made the router give it one. There was nothing I could do to change it back. I don't know what happened, but once I knew where it was, I was able to load it in the browser and carry on. No big deal. You learn to live with things a little weird at times in Linux, but two days later, once I go back, I could not connect to OMV yet. The FTP server was up and running, and I was able to use it. Checking the router again, the router had gone back to having DHCP assigned to the address. At this point, I was able to make the router assign OMV a fixed address that won't change again, but I've never heard or seen of this sort of thing before. Any ideas? And I'll get back to that. Lastly, I've already thanked Door personally and publicly and other Podnuts show, but Door, you really came through for me in my time of need, my wife suffered a stroke, whoops, back in January, and Door laid out a way for me not only to calm down, but bring things back in focus. Thanks, Door. I only hope I might someday get a chance to sit across the table from you and buy you a well-deserved low-carb beverage. And cool. That is very cool. Um, so he's got two attachments here. Oh, there's screenshots from his router. Um, yeah, depending on your router, it can be weird. Uh, sometimes you might want to do a reboot before you do anything on the router to clear its memory. If it's been up for a very long period of time, uh, and just double check all of the settings and click save. And cause I mean, I've got the Asus router, which I think has been a very solid player and very upgradable. Um, I got the Asus RTAC68U, and I have videos on how to hack the T-Mobile AC1900 into one of those. Uh, so I think you get them for like 39 bucks on Amazon, and I got videos on how to do it. But anyhow, uh, yeah, I would definitely give the router a reboot, make sure you save the settings. And what you're talking about here, uh, dumping uh, Pi-hole onto your OMV always have a backup. I That's the great thing about microSDs is microSDs are cheap, so you could do a DDIFOF and do a backup of, you know, the microSD from one to another. That would be a big deal in saving you some hardship. Um, I also think with OMV, I'm pretty sure Pi-hole is a plug-in and you could get it and it would run on a different port because uh, then you're not hogging up port 80 with, with two conflicting things. I'm pretty sure uh, that if you look at OMV and the plugins or, you know, 
how you download extra plugins, that Pi-hole is an option. And you could get both of them running together. Did I get everything, Dor? I do think so. Uh, I, I will say, I do think also with Pi-hole is unbelievably flexible is what I'll say, ridiculously flexible. With that stated, I've had multiple instances of Pi-hole seemingly for no reason just stop working and I got to nuke and pave and reload. I am going to say I did something wrong. I'm not going to blame it on Pi-hole. I'm not going to blame it on Diapi. I'm not going to blame it on everybody else. It was a me thing is what I'll say. Um, I will say, yeah, I mean, to like paraphrase Indigo Montoya, only secondarily as important is everyone's necessity in order to, once everything is working, pull the micro SD card out, put it into another computer, and make a copy of the damn thing. Because we all all have a nasty habit of once things start working, just let it run, and it always comes back to bite us kind of thing. Um, Yeah. And as much as that is a staple in what I preach, sometimes I don't practice it enough. As much as I do practice it, I have a 256 gig thumb drive, which is called my conf drive, which all of my configurations, all of my images, everything is back. So I can unplug it, plug it into something, whatever. I have it. It's available. And I found with my home automation assistant, I blew it. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and I will, I mean, I have no problem sounding stupid. Because, you know, I'm Irish, I'm me. Um, when it comes to each person's individual router setup, anything could happen. I constantly wipe my router. Literally, like every couple of weeks, I literally like blank my router back to default settings and set everything from scratch. Because I don't know how it seems like some stuff just randomly happens and things just start to like not perform as well. Um, and uh, just a quick side note. Um, I've thanked a lot of people throughout the years. I've thanked a lot of people throughout the shows for their support. Um, but I can't state enough uh, how much I thank Captain Zero Christian for his support. And without sounding stupid, because I'm going to sound stupid saying this, I honestly have no idea how I helped him through his ordeal. But I know his ordeal was with the kind of ordeal that is incredibly uh, taxing for anybody. Sure. Um who cares about anybody else? Um, so I'm, I'm just insanely happy that I can be supportive to anybody else. That alone, honestly, without done dumb, makes me almost want to cry just because I'm able to help somebody else. But here's the gimmick. Thanks to Christian Captain Zero, I was able to pre-order or purchase or back order or whatever a Pinebook Pro. So technically cool. speaking, it's on order. I have no idea when the hell I'm going to get it. But I can tell you this: when I'm when I get it, I'm going to be as giddy as a little girl. You know, I, I kind of broke my moratorium on spending, and uh, you know, I'm thinking I I really ought to pick up a Pinebook Pro, if not just to kick the tires on. And oh gosh, I know I promised the Pinebook to somebody. I haven't sent it out yet, and I apologize because uh, I, I I offered to give away the Pinebook. Somebody claimed that. Uh, I got to get it in the mail, and I apologize for not getting it in the mail sooner. Yeah, that was terrible. Yeah, yeah, I got to get it out there. Um, One more thing about the diet, not diet pie, pie hole. I'm on a one terabyte cap with my cable company, and if you look at, like, I'm, I'm a big news junkie, so I'll go to a lot of news sites, 
and the news sites are like 90% ad and 10% content. So one of the big things about PyHall, if you're on a, you know, bandwidth cap, it really cuts down on the amount of traffic. It, it really, when I, when I saw the stats on what my network was doing before PyHall and after, big deal, very big deal. Oh, yeah, I, absolutely. Ads are, if not a great percentage, I've seen some stats showing 60 to 80% of bandwidth being to third-party ad network sites. Yeah, and I'll say, um, quick tangent, uh, Jonas in the chat. First off, Jonas, Swift, Red, uh, Chatter, Dual Screens, thank you guys for coming out to the live chat. Um, Jonas made a good point, which I completely forgot. Technically speaking, on x86 hardware, aka your normal desktop and laptop, you can do what's called cross-compile your software. Uh, I will tell Carl, I would first make it a priority to look at what you can cross-compile on even a 7- to 8-year-old laptop or desktop before you start to custom compile on a single board ARM processor because your speed, performance, and power utilization would probably be better even if it's a seven-plus-year-old laptop. Oh, excellent point. Yeah, I, I wasn't reading the chat in the YouTube feed. Um, and I'll say this. Um, Rain is the guy you promised the Pine Book to, and quite literally, if you can't send them one, I'll buy him one and send them one because he's no, Rain. I, I, I'm I'm gonna send it out. It's I just haven't done it yet. And I understand shipping is not an easy thing. It's a painful thing because you got to interact with people, and people are jerks and incompetent. Um, I also want to just take a quick thirty seconds, and I want to say thank you to our newest Patreon supporters, uh, Jonas, John, Hollinger, and uh, Rain. I want to thank you guys for your support. I did actually finally, finally, twelve. 18 2019 which doesn't add up to any special number i finally turned on patreon support you're only going to pay once a month it's literally less than 20 bucks from everybody but thank you very much for your support because of you people i'm able to once in a while buy a, a bottle of johnny walker black <laughs> well deserved well you know you, you have to find your own ways to enjoy yourself that are as little damaging to you and your local parties as possible so here's the dumb question rich the next show we're going to have to talk about uh -oh. like what happened this year and then maybe that show we can also talk about our predictions for next year so the stupid question i'll have for you is what this year in many computers have you been thankful for because i think i have something i've been thankful for hmm. Um, you know, something that I said wasn't going to happen happened. That was the Pi 4, and it has dual displays, which I haven't really kicked the tires on too much, but I'm thankful for that. Um, and, and we're talking about that. Like, we, we had a little chat session going, uh, Brian and Dor and I, and I'm not sure what else I want unless it's more RAM and more cores in the future. You know, I'm just trying to think, what what do I want that I don't have? Well, without saying dumb, what I'm thankful for, to be honest, and it, honestly, it might have been more than a year ago now. Listen, I've had literally easily 3,000 concussions in my life. I used to say, say 300, but then I sat down and did the math. I've had at least 
1,800 to 3,000 concussions in my life. So my sense of time might be a touch bit off. I'm thankful for, honestly, Rich, you sending me the upboard. Um, your sending me the upboard gave me an honest-to-goodness experience of what a mini computer could be, which now my expectations every time I unwrap and unpack a mini computer, I now have what I consider to be realistic expectations expectations on what i should see oh cool well thanks uh and i will say without sounding stupid i hate saying that because every time i sound stupid to myself 2019 was a fantastic year for mini computers thanks to countless people that we don't know their names creating smartphones creating appliances creating these iot devices Elon Musk creating these CubeSats, Elon Musk doing these other little things. We've literally had, I want to say it was 10,000 CubeSats launched in the last six months. Um, because of all these other people innovating, because these all these other people pushing technology, we in a mini computer verse have seen such glorious improvements. Um, we're now able to get what I would have considered two years ago, a four to $500 worth of computing power in under what now is like 20 to $30 worth of hardware. Um, I firmly believe 2020 is going to be one of the years of what I consider ubiquitous computing. Um, I think it's going to be a defining year as far as I am personally concerned on how computing is done. And I'm really excited to see, you know, all the things that happen. CES this year, I think, is going to be one of the most putrid, disgusting, lame exposés of cultural appropriation of, like, just corporatism ran awry. With that stated, I do believe OnePlus is going to launch something that could be revolutionary. Oh, cool. What, what do you think they got going on? I don't think I know. That's the whole thing. They just teased uh. and said they're going to release something at CES that they consider revolutionary. And all these speculative journalist scumbags are trying to guess what it's going to be. And the only thing I'm sure of is we don't know. Because is six CES years ago... They, uh No, no, no. It's like the second week in January. Um, uh, OnePlus has been the company... I mean... Six years ago, blew everybody away. Five years ago, blew everybody away. Four years ago, everyone thought they understood and they kind of under, you know, delivered. But since then, they've been consistently just knocking the doors off of everybody's expectations, delivering exquisitely tuned and performance optimized hardware at a really rationable price, even though they've been slowly pushing the price up. Uh, I do think 2020 is going to be a breakout year in the normal person's uh, vision for a company like OnePlus. And I think by the beginning of 2021, we're going to have a whole new set of name brands that we trust in our house when it comes to interfacing with technology. So, yeah, I'm looking at events. Uh, so CES is January 7th to the 10th. And then another event that I'd like to go to would be SHOT Show, which is the 21st to the 24th. And where is that? In Vegas. Vegas. 
I could spend the month of January in Vegas. Well, you know, if I had money, Rich, you know, I'd be there for both events with you. And isn't there a car thing? I, I think there's a car thing in between CES and SHOT Show. I uh, think, it's not I honestly SEMA. think that's in the Detroit, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. I think the premier car event is still not in Vegas. I think they're talking about moving it, but it hasn't done done yet. Door, earlier today we were thinking we didn't have enough to do a show on. Well, I know, but then we both can't shut up. <laughs> so, Rich, if uh, people want to catch up with you and communicate with you, what's the simplest way? Pretty much flyingrich.com. You can click on the contact us, and that's the, you'll be able to email me, and that's where all my social media is. Very cool, very cool. And I'll say if anybody wants to catch up with me, just check their show notes. That's why we have show notes. Any podcast that spends three to five minutes at the end of the show talking about pluggables are podcasts that, given the chance, I would literally punch in the groin with a super punch from Hellboy or something like that because you don't need to do it. That's why we have show notes. These are the same kind of podcasters that I firmly believe don't listen to their own show, and their podcast starts with, Hello, welcome to the Mini PC Show. Hey, this is Steve McLaughlin. Welcome to the Mini PC Show. They're so uncouth an un to be respectable kind of thing. And if you like to respect podcast, I heavily encourage you, whatever you do, send us an email, minipc at podcast.com. Send us a voicemail, 706 at podcast.com. If you want to email me directly, mail at podcast.com or geek at gmail.com. Or once again, click the friggin' notes. That's why they're there. Rich, I love you. Always good to uh, talk to you. Right back at you, buddy. And uh, hey, Merry Christmas to you. I guess we're not going to be podcasting for a couple of weeks. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy um, uh, Stadia. Happy whatever the Jerry Seinfeld holiday is. Um, Festivus. Festivus, yes, yes. Next week, I want to say it's Christmas Eve. The week after that, I believe it's too close to my wedding anniversary. So yes, it might be three weeks till we sit down and communicate. But again, thanks everyone for downloading. Thanks, everyone, for their support. Thank everyone for their email. Thank everyone for their Patreons. Thank everyone for coming out live. Seriously, Jonas, I missed chatting with you. Um, And we will talk to everyone again, hopefully, really soon after the holiday. And until then, do not forget Mini PC, Big Talk, Little Machines, because that's what we do. Wow. I'm still impressed. Still streaming, and I got to go to the bathroom again. I don't know what happened to my other thing. It says it's still recording. How is it still recording? Where is it at? I don't see the window. Oh, there it is. It was hiding. I thought I stopped recording with the other computer. Now it's painting. Hey, friends. This is Eric Hardini, the manager. I can tell that you like podcasts and learning about technology. One of the fastest growing areas of tech is currently small, low energy consumption computing. Come join us on the Mini PC Show, where we discuss all the new small form factor devices. The Mini PC Show, Big Talk, Little Machines.